Hey, it's Mark Shifley here. You're listening to the Jet Centric Podcast. Welcome back, Jets fans, to another episode of the Jets-centric podcast. My name is Ryan. On today's episode, it is episode 41, The Roundtable, with Chris, Alistair, and Mike. How are you guys doing? Doing great. Thanks for having me on. Better than the Jets right now? (laughs) But pretty good. So today... We had a matinee game against the Ottawa Senators, lost 5-2 to two in a game that arguably we outplayed them, outshot them at least. Um, I guess I want to get your guys' thoughts. I'll start with you, Mike. First time on the podcast. Uh, take it away. Well, sure. Well, actually, technically, I think it's my second time. You'd have to talk to AJ about that. Um, but, uh, but yeah, no, uh, that was a long time ago, I think. No, my thoughts on the game was um, it wasn't. It was kind of an uncomfortable game to watch. Uh, we sucked the bet. We we sucked so hard the first five minutes. I thought we played very poorly, um, and uh, and then it was just a question of whether the offense could bail us out afterwards. Well, it was two nothing after the first period, and it was kind of more of the same. What is this team doing lately? We're on a three game skid um, play again tomorrow in Buffalo what does this team have to do differently Allie to get out of this slump so there are signs of life I mean if nothing else at least we came back and outshot the Senators uh, which is something we haven't been doing a lot of the last few games um, but man what do we need to do differently? We need to keep trying different things, I think. It's, it's time to try more stuff. And, and to, to his credit, to at least a little bit of credit, Paul Maurice is starting to try some things. It might not be what I would choose. It may not be uh, you know, necessarily addressing the most pressing needs, but you know, he did make a change. He put... Rosovic on the top power play unit and Line A on the bottom. It's at least he's recognizing there's something that needs to change, uh, which you could argue is progress. Do you think after today's loss, we see a different lineup going into tomorrow, a juggled lineup, or do you think Maurice feels this one out and sees how tomorrow goes? Because there really is no time to juggle lines and get a get a good practice in with new lines, Chris? Well, I think we saw the switch um, halfway through the second, late in the second, uh, where Perot jumped up um, to the line A little line, which is something a lot of people have been looking for. Um, if you're not going to put line A up with Shifley and Wheeler, I think the next logical move is to have Perot move in with with Little and, and Line A, and we saw that for the end of the game, um, and drop Roslovic back down to four, which was 
I, again, one of those curious things why he wouldn't go to three and drop Tanev, I, I don't understand. Um, and I'm missing some math there, but that's what it looked like happened. And they had a good about seven or eight minutes, I think, to start the third period um, with a lot of pressure, a lot of shots, not a lot of shots on goal, but a lot of shots towards the goal. I wouldn't be surprised to see that second second line be little line A Perot tomorrow, uh, even without a practice. But um, as far as a major change, we know darn well we're not going to see that. So line A completely silent for the last few weeks. Um, I mean, tonight he had a really beautiful pass for Little, and Little uh, sunk that one like he was lining on that left side with a really nice shot. Do you think they need to be split up, though? How do you get line A going? Like... I think that's a tough question. Um, for, for me, I don't know what you guys thought, but I thought there was signs of life from line A in this game. And, um, and I, the game before. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. Yeah, I would agree with that. I thought there were signs of life from Line A. He, um, he threw a big hit on, uh, on one of the Sens defensemen today. Uh, he seems to be playing with a bit more of an edge. Uh, obviously, Ryan, like you said, that was a great setup. To I think I saw someone say, you know, this, he, uh, he set up someone in the Line A spot for the Line A shot. Like, you know, and I think, uh, yeah, so, I mean, he's maybe thinking a bit pass first when he should be still thinking shoot first. I don't think he's all there, but I thought that there was some signs of life from him today. Maybe that's maybe it's something that's going to work, you know, in his favor going forward. Is there any... I, Sorry, go ahead. Well, I would say, and uh, again, not to get too dark or whatever, but I think what has been tried is the opposite of what's going to work. Taking him off the first power play doesn't make any sense. Uh, we have a group of fans uh, calling for him to be press boxed. Um, those are no way to get the t- number two, maybe number one shooter in the league going. I mean, he needs somebody to get him the puck or multiple linemates to get him the puck. And I've seen crazy things like he needs to get greasy and he needs to get dirty. That's not how he scores. He needs to float, trail the play, and get the puck on a stick. And I don't see any of the line mates he currently has helping him do that. And that's been something we've been talking about on this show since game 10. Yeah. That first power play unit has been bad for a while now. I think the power play, too, has scored the majority of the goals for this team with the extra man out there over the last few weeks. So do you just completely throw both power play units in a blender and see what comes out? Because it's not working at all right now. We only win when we score four goals or more. Even if we hold the other team off the scoreboard, we're only winning by scoring, scoring, scoring. And now that the scoring seems to maybe be drying up a bit, the lines aren't working well. Shifley and Wheeler, I think by all accounts, are tired. Um, some things, there needs to be some fundamental changes to, to the roster because I think all four of us and the rest of the contributors agree this is a Stanley Cup lineup that's playing uh, wildcard hockey right now. If, if I could jump in, to me, when we're talking about the power play, 
I, to me, I, to me, I wonder if that's something where you're just naturally going to have a smaller sample size. You're a bit more at the mercy of just kind of the random variant stuff. Uh, and to me, when I watch the power play, like you can see teams, they adjusted. Okay, we're going to pressure Wheeler and really take his time and space away. Uh, you know, the Jets, you know, the Jets have tried to adjust themselves accordingly. But the biggest change with the power play is, I think, just that Lyonnais, you know, is just struggling with, you know, some, some lack of confidence. You know, I remember in the, I think it was the last game, you know, we all remember Wheeler feeding the puck, I think, three times in about 20 seconds for the one-timer. And, you know, it's just it's just not going his way or, or he's in his own head. I, I'm more worried about the five-on-five five stuff where we have a very large, uh, a much a much larger sample size and things things seem to be not going our way. That's me. Mm-hmm. I have a, a theory about what Paul Maurice is going to, do over the next probably two weeks or so, especially as we get healers back into the fold. Because uh, we saw the reemergence of the, uh, the TLC line, the uh, Tanev-Lowry-Kopp, uh, towards the end of this game, uh, right around when they moved Perot up to the second line. Uh, so that, uh, whether you see it as a third line or not, that Lowry line was the mainstay of the Jets' last year like that was their, their shutdown line we haven't seen it we haven't seen it for a while here and i'd be willing i'd be willing to bet that uh that's going to be a big piece of the lineup moving forward uh paul maurice is probably going to go back to a line that he feels he can really trust in those guys we might get uh we might might even get uh pro little and ehlers back together when ehlers comes back and maybe get some of that lovely fourth line line a uh, action. That uh, As healers, if if healers were coming back tomorrow, I would agree with that one hundred percent. That's exactly what we would see. Has there been any talk about when healers is going to return? Last I heard was mid February, and we're approaching that soon. So, have you guys heard if he's skating or not? He is in a non-contact Skate. jersey. Uh, last skating non. Skating non-contact, okay. yeah. Well, that's a that's two to seven days, right? Generally, yeah. Yeah, I guess maybe we're sticking to that original timeline. Maybe a week away, hopefully, because yeah. I think he uh, he adds a lot of speed to that line and uh, and in his yeah, history. zone entries, man. The zone entries, yeah, mm-hmm. right, absolutely. The zone entries. And to go back to what Mike was talking about about the power play, um, we that was it Boston that we just played, um, and the way they moved the puck on the power play was it was Boston, right? About five so, yeah. years ago, and the way they moved that puck on the power play was just like it was like triple the speed the way we moved the puck, and they have a, they look to have a similar setup not the one timer necessarily Posternock was in the the line a spot but the way they moved the puck it was like if we could move the puck this fast and as quick everything's so deliberate on the power play pick up the pace a little bit and you might see a quicker shot from line a or that that drop low to connor quick to the slot to to Shifley to get it going you know mm-hmm. the so, speed uh, isn't Max- there. Five on five either, sorry. The speed is also, we've been exposed by two fast teams the last couple of games. Yeah, that Montreal game, 
they are unbelievably quick and it kind of showed how flat footed the jets have been in the last few games. And it's concerning. What's also concerning is do we need to add a five on or a, a center? I guess uh, little hasn't been doing a whole lot or centers haven't really been showing that they have a scoring prowess. Do you think bringing in someone at the trade deadline is what this team needs right now? I think, I think it's, I think most people would tend to agree that the biggest hole, unless you happen to be a huge fan of either Joe Morrow or Ben Sherrod, the Jets' biggest need, I mean, you got a, a second pair left shot defenseman that's taking a lot of ice time right now. And uh, I mean, I think most of the people maybe that listen to this show would agree that we got a, we got a replacement level defenseman sitting there, basically. So as far as minutes goes, that's a to upgrade. So AJ just got added to the call, and we can hear him breathing really heavily in the back. AJ, why did you, <laughs> join? Why'd you want to join? You wanted to take this thing right off the rails, or do you have some hot takes for us? Well, all I know is we need to trade Niku. That's, he's been playing like crap. He's been visible out there. Haven't noticed a thing he's done. So I'm, I'm with Kiprios. We need to get rid of him. He's, uh, he's doing nothing for us. So get rid of Niku. All right. Well, th- like to thank AJ for joining us. Uh, it's all the time we have today. <laughs> all right. We'll edit that part out. No, I um, No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm not breathing heavy. I was actually uh, eating a cookie. I didn't think you'd add me that quick. So I'm finishing chewing my um, um, my uh, sorrel cookie. I thought you were being oatmeal raisin. About, uh, about uh, stud Jets goalie Laurent Brassois. Oh, we can. No, Mike, if you've ever listened, I've, I've definitely talked about Laurent Brossois. I mean, that man, what a good looking guy. Yeah, he didn't look so good today. My wife's listening and she's nodding her head on the couch, actually. So she yeah. knows what's up. Yeah, we've had these conversations. Yeah. We have, yeah. Yeah, Mike's I think Alistair, I know Jones, the contract. What did I say? We were going to go this way. We yeah. always go this way. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so what did, you, what did you guys cover so far? The Jets are one and three in the month of February. I know people always like to break up uh, sort of the the season into small chunks, like 10-game chunks or the last two weeks or, you know, in between breaks and stuff. But I always like to do months because pretty much it's, you know, they play 10 to 12 games a month. So we'll just kind of forget February or forget January, February, on to a new month, and it's been a bit of a rough start. Jets have scored two goals in their last three games and lost the last three games. I'm sure you guys already covered that. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of what I want to talk about. It's it's interesting because I think, I said to, to Chris today on the phone, I said they are who we thought they, they were. I mean, a lot of us have been accused of being too negative and everything, but, I mean, the Jets haven't really looked good all year. They had a really fun game against Tampa. They had some nice games against Nashville and Vegas, like all three very good teams, but uh, still concerned that uh, they don't, seem to put it together enough and people say, oh, well, quit panicking. Don't worry. There's no room to panic or no need to panic, but I'm not panicking. It's just there's issues that should be addressed and they look like they're not being addressed. So um, that's not panicking. That's just noticing things and calling them out. So uh, I don't know. I have some concerns. I'm not sure what you guys have chatted about so far, but uh, yeah, that's uh, that's my take. I'm not panicking, but uh, what the hell are we doing here? So, so uh, first of all, join the video call so that you, you can get in on this second of all alistair i think this is a good time for that chart that we were talking about the expected goal chart um yeah. that uh our um uh, 
co-host and, and guest Daniel has been uh, shoving down our throats on Twitter from Sean Tierney. Um, that's a, this is a great time to talk about that. Yeah, definitely. So uh, for those of you who aren't too familiar, uh, you should definitely go check out Sean Tierney on Twitter. That's at Charting Hockey uh, on Twitter. Um, but yeah, he, he, he does charts. So he puts out uh, results and data in something that's easily processed visually. Uh, and he's got uh, a chart here of expected goals. Um, I'm sure everybody listening knows <laughs> how expected goals work. Basically, uh, you work out a system of where shots are coming from, uh, how many shots are being taken, how many goals should be scored uh, in a game, and tracking how many goals the suggest should be scoring versus how many goals they should be giving up. Uh, and basically, uh, the results are not looking great for the Jets. Um, uh, overall, well below the break-even point. Uh, there's only kind of two kind of peaks in the season where they've really uh, outperformed their expected uh, goals. And yeah, they're in a pretty bad slump right now. It's not looking good. Uh, so that's a combination of not generating enough dangerous chances and giving up too many dangerous chances. Well, and if I'm not mistaken, I believe one of those uh, one of those spikes was also during the 13 game spell. Do we agree we're not going to talk about uh, Nick player that shall not be named? Yeah. Like, uh, the, the, the one who who wears the number 19? Yes. When Steve Eiserman is in our lineup, <laughs> we're really good expected goals for it. Or Jim Slater, face offs. I mean, if you win the face off battle, you have a you have a chance to win, right? Or fights. I mean, uh, we need to win more fights. Uh, so we should well, have... You don't have to. you don't have to win a fight for it to help your team. You just have to have a fight. Okay. I know. So, we're so I terrible. To, I being super have to say Go ahead, thing. I'm so sorry I have to say it. Mm-hmm. But I promised I would say it. I haven't minded Brennan Lemieux as much as I did when he first got in the lineup. He's he's learning, but he's still dumb. <laughs> like he's still making some interesting decisions out there, but he's he's playing better than when he first came in the lineup. And I hope we can agree on that. But I promised someone I would say something nice about him and there it is. That's that's it. I'm not he, saying anything he, more. He, no, that's, he that's plays he plays better in the offensive zone for sure. I, his, he's still defensively a liability, but his offensive zone play and the lack of dumb penalties have improved. He's garbage on defense, and he's not helping the team the way another player could. But what's happening in the offensive zone isn't garbage to look at. I'm sure a couple of our good podcast friends will disagree with that. But I think test says he's kind of pulling his weight in the offensive zone. I'm, I'm not a numbers guy either, but... I'm kind of feeling the same thing. The, the, for me, the connection I draw is, I think we now all, everyone agrees that Brandon Tanev has become like a serviceable, good kind of checking role NHLer. Um, but, uh, but God, Maurice had to take that full, what was it, 82 games or something to, to make it, <laughs> to, to, to kind of wait for that to happen. And I just wonder if, um, I just wonder if Brendan Lemieux is kind of one of those projects that's just going to take a long time and, you know, maybe we'll think that it was worth it in the end, or maybe we'll kind of wonder what the weight was. 
Yeah, well, that that's the thing with these uh, project players. I mean, Tanev, I, I've talked about him before, and I'm not going to rag on him because, like you say, I think he's he's improved, but there were players that you probably could have slotted in right away that were already good. Um, <laughs> I see you're showing us a chart there. <laughs> that Showing us a... Yeah, <laughs> what was that chart of, Mike? What were you showing us? Oh, that's if we want to talk Corsi. Basically, the Jets are... Uh... I'm I'm showing on the I'm showing on this video screen. I'm showing uh, one of Tierney's Tierney's charts. I was looking, Alistair, for the one you were talking about, but yeah, oh, Jets yeah. Are, Jets, the yeah. short is Jets are are according to the Eggheads, they're overperforming. Uh, overperforming. The Jets, uh, if, yeah, if I Jets. noticed they were, if, sorry, if I noticed they were right beside the Phoenix Coyotes, who are two to four points out of a wild card spot. Close to <laughs> that. Oh, well, we have to give a shout out to Katie because she's on this podcast from time to time and and she's called this she she knows this stuff and she sees how the team's performing how they're going to perform and people rag on her for fancy stats but we are sitting right now after three straight losses where the where the fancy stats show we would be is struggling we're getting shots but they're not quality opportunities we're getting beat she was right. The, the fancy stats well, I, just to throw out the window. She, they're showing exactly where we should be. We are, I know, still second. Or are we still first in the central? Uh, I believe in this. I'm going to go central. ahead and confirm that. Second in the west. Yeah. But um, if, if we continue on this path, which has been kind of the theme for the last two months, then it really has fall. been since November. It has been since November that they've yeah. been playing. Other than the bump, when thou shalt shall not be named, play. <laughs> yeah. Hey, hold on. I was going to finish my thought. We talked about the the, the uh, Lemieux, and I started going on Tanf too. It's it's amazing when players get multiple opportunities to fail, right, over and over and over again. What they're actually able to do. So it's not really surprising that Brandon Lemieux has gotten better. I mean, like. Young guy gets a bunch of opportunity playing with the big club. I mean, if he didn't get better, that would be a story, right? I mean, but actually, you know, doing something with your opportunity, um, that's that's not really a, a surprise. But you, the question is, why do some people get opportunities and others don't? I mean, some people talk what what kind of opportunity Dano had when he was here and the player that shall not be named has had. And, uh, you know, even Armia in some ways now in, in Montreal. Um, yeah, uh, but... So the when Dano people... thing is more surprising because Dano is the player that people think Lemieux is. And, yes. right, he already had all the things that we're going to be waiting maybe another 40, 50, 80 games to see out of Lemieux. Dano was already doing those things in yeah. three, six minutes a game. And that's frustrating. But, it, like, just looking at it, like, all of us, I mean, besides Ryan the, the kitten here, uh, the, all of us are, you know, mid-30s and above. Alia, I'm, uh, I'm assuming. <laughs> uh, but, so, but, but if you... Uh, okay, well, whatever. We're, we're all... We're non-NHLers, right? Not big hockey guys. If you put us out there with the Jets, playing on a line with those guys for 60 games, I mean, we would look so out of place after 60 games, but probably not as out of place in our, in our first game. You know, playing on a line with uh, Wheeler and Shifley. If you got to play with them the whole time, you'd figure out where to be, what to do. You know, everything would get a little bit smarter. So, I mean, everybody would get better. So, again, just talking about the players that are like the fringe players that people don't like talking about, but those are the interesting conversations because it's not as obvious who it's going to be. Um, with those guys, if, if you get opportunity, 
over and over and over again, then you should do something with that. It'd be it'd be weird if you didn't. Um, but and so I when, would just like to say, AJ, that you're making a great point, man. I completely agree that it's that opportunity. I mean, you could also talk about what happened with the uh, what were they called the Las Vegas Golden Knights? I think it was last year. It's yeah. it's crazy. I I think the uh, no, I mean, but honestly, I think it's a great point. Just about uh, just about just about opportunity and. You know, you should expect guys to make the most of their opportunity opportunities, but what's in short supply is is uh, NHL ice time. Yeah, and and all but we know what, at the end of it is those that did get the opportunity. Like we can kind of conjecture about uh, what player X would do if they were given a, a chance, but really all we can base it off is of what one man decided. You know about which players are going to go but, in and play when and and how long, and so. All, all we can go off of is what actually happened, not what could have happened, because we could all talk about what could have happened. Nobody knows, but everyone just points to what did happen. And if there's some success, be like, see, that's a success. Well, had you substituted player A in for player B, maybe there's even more success. Who knows? We don't, well, we'll never this know. Is, we can only guess. And, and how many times, AJ, especially you and I specifically have had this conversation, what is giving an undrafted player like Tanev the chance to succeed over a second round, basically a late first round pick like Val, who shall not be named, the opportunity. Yeah. Why? Where does that come from? There's obviously a reason why Nick Batan, I said his name, was drafted 32nd overall and Brandon Tanev was never drafted. Right? I mean, there's a reason for that. So why are you spending all this time with a guy to develop this game to be a marginal third-line player when you've got a first-line talent that, if you give him some opportunity, can learn to, quote-unquote, play defense probably within two weeks of games to play your system. So you do wonder where these chances come from because, again, there's a reason why guys are drafted in the first round. There's a, guys why, there's a reason why guys score the game-winning goal in the World Junior Championships and a reason why a guy barely makes a college hockey team. Yeah, well, Brad did he did score the winning goal in the championship game of uh, the Frozen Four in college hockey, and then was uh, signed by the Jets a couple days later. So he did he did do the thing right that sort of catches the attention. But uh, yeah, I, I I'm with you there. I think what it comes down to is uh, I I'm going to shut up after this because I, I see Ali and Reiner. Yeah, I'm re- looking at their faces, realizing they haven't said much in a bit because I've been, uh, you know, trying to catch up with all the time that I missed. But um, <laughs> with uh, with Maurice, well, this is something we know, and I mean, some people like this, some don't. Uh, but he is—he believes in role players, right? And so the idea of you have a checking line, or you got a grinder, or you got a, a grit guy, or a room guy—those are all valuable things. And you know how you're going to measure those? Who knows? But that's a preference. Whereas I think us whatever it's it's not wrong um but and there's an argument that could say it works better would probably just prefer skilled players who are your most skilled players ones with the highest iq or hockey iq maybe not iq some guys have good hockey iq but no life iq but uh, um just your most skilled players with the best hockey iq and good hands and everything like that and just take your 12 best players and put them in a way where they complement each other the best. And that would maybe be the best lineup. But again, we'll never know. So the Jets are third in the league right now. And so that looks good to everybody. But maybe they could be first. And, and there's nothing wrong with third. But maybe they could be first. Maybe, you know, they could be up by a bunch. I was saying to my son today that uh, I feel like the Jets have probably 
in 10 of their wins. I'm just kind of ballparking. I think they're about 35 wins right now-ish. And I said there's probably 10 games that they won that they probably should have lost. And I mean, that 10-game swing is a 20-point swing. Now they're down to 51 points. I mean, that's a huge, huge thing. So I've ragged on this so many times before when we talk about it. I think hockey is moving more to paying attention to the minutia and the details. And those who get there first, I think, will have success before everyone else catches up. It's like money ball in baseball. It's just, that's that's all it is. But hockey is just the slowest moving sport for change. And uh, some of us, I, I wouldn't say that we're on cutting edge because none of us are really numbers guys, except Ali probably understands them the best out of the, the five of us. But, uh, that's not saying much though. <laughs> yeah, but none of us are like building charts or, or like, you know, going into all this stuff, even though we're accused of it. But uh, just seeing that, hey, there's some some value to building your team around uh, the analytics and the and the numbers more than room guys, grit guys, role players, third line checking. You know, young guys need to spend this much time down in the minors. Blah blah blah. There seems to be some evidence that speaks against that. But Maurice is not the guy who's really going to take that chance, and that's where the criticism comes from from guys like us. They're they're third in the uh, third in the the league, so that's that's great. Second in the West, first in the Central. I mean, that's nothing to shy up or to to be upset about. But at the same time, the talent on this team feels like that is really where they sh- should be anyhow. So now, can they they play better? Yes, I think they can. So just want the team to be better. I don't care about the results. I want them to play good hockey because in the long run, that's what's going to get the best results. So okay, I'm going to shut up now. You guys know? Did you ever read? To be uh, honest, when we started James this Duthie's call, book, James Duthie's book. When he like got when you got interviewed to do the uh, TSN job, he was like, they got him like, "Okay, come here for the interview." Okay, talk about the Ottawa Senators for two minutes straight. <laughs> I think AJ could do that. No sweat, man. He could totally rock that. <laughs> I was afraid that when we started this call, that we weren't gonna hit one hour, which is what I kind of want for a roundtable. And as soon as AJ said, "Add me to the call." I knew we were getting there, and maybe some extra. Sorry, guys. Sorry, I just I can't. I don't no, know. No, I just we, everything you said is good. We agree with you. We're not. We're just trying to bug you. <laughs> and it's even more it, personal because this is a video call, and I can stare right in your eyes and tell you this. Yeah. <laughs> My right. problem is, is I always want to add on after everything AJ says because uh, we have so much history with this stuff, and I want to give every everybody else a chance. That's the worst part for me. Well, I th- I want to get, what's your add on because like what, what do you do when people you know a couple times you mentioned AJ that um, Jets are third in the league, right? Or maybe we're, maybe we drop to four after tonight, but we're so high in the standings. What do you say when people say just basically point to the standings and tell you to shut up when you talk about? Uh, when you're talking about the team not being perfect. What do you guys say to that? I, I'm going to say let's defer to Ali and let's, uh, let's hear from him. He's, he's a smart, uh, smart one. I'd like to hear his take on what do you do when you say the, that. And you're probably nicer than most of us, too, so you probably have a nice <laughs> way of saying it. <laughs> I try to be. I try to be. I don't know. I have my moments. Uh, so what I tend to say is look at how – the team, how the Jets are winning, and look at what teams they're beating and what teams they're not. Um, and that'll, because like, a big part of hockey is showing up when you need to show up, right? Like, any team, the best team in the league can go and have a stinker of a night. It happens all the time. Uh, the Jets don't show up every night, and that's what really concerns me. Uh, tonight, 
isn't maybe the best example of it because they did make an effort. <laughs> but uh, the Montreal game was brutal. Like they looked outclassed against a team that's fighting for a wild card spot. And that shouldn't instill confidence uh, in a fan, I don't think. Like if they pull, show that show that kind of effort against the Golden Knights in the second round of the playoffs, they're screwed, right? Uh, and, you know, if they came out and played their absolute best and got goalied, I'd have no problem with it. You know, uh, cheer, cheer your little heart out. That's great. Uh, they don't need to win every single game, but you do want them to have a chance in every single game. And that's what really concerns me, is that they don't seem to have a chance every night. And as often as not, it seems to be things like their goalie bailing them out, like Laurent Bastroa had an amazing first, what was it, 11 games of the season for him? Uh, I forget what the set line was, but he's basically 10-1-1. 10-0-1, yeah. Like, that's insane. Now he's 10-3-1. Yeah, which is a bit, he's regressing to the mean. He's coming back down to earth a little bit, which is what, you know, the numbers would and this is not expect. him, though. This is not. No, him. for sure. They would have lost with Hellebuck in that tonight. Absolutely. And, and and this is the thing about what's getting frustrating for me when we're watching some of this stuff is, um, up until yesterday, Buffalo coming back. I mean, and we've mentioned it before on the on the show. You're talking about almost a half AHL defense out there, if we're being honest, and. Everybody wants us to get Matt Duchesne or, or Stone or whatever. I do too, but holy hell, we need a left-handed defenseman in the worst way. If you're not going to play Sammy Niku, and even if that defenseman isn't going to slot in for Sherratt, which unless we had gotten Jake Muzzin, he wouldn't, but we need it in case somebody gets injured. And that has to happen sooner than later. Oh, yeah. Uh, I got scared when Morrissey got hurt. Even, even mm-hmm. if it just turned out to be for one game, it was like, what are we going to do? <laughs> yeah. We don't have an answer for that. Like, uh, it, was no, all, and- it was so obvious against Montreal when we had, especially because we've been used to Buff kind of making that a legit second pair defense, but he comes back after missing, you know, three, four weeks, whatever it was. And man, the guy, I'm a huge Buff fan, but he was not up to just jumping right back in and carrying uh, Ben Sherratt for an entire game against a fast team that was it's exactly like you said that left side uh weakness is is a weakness yeah it's more it's definitely more of a weakness than our forward line simply because with some adjusting we have the best forwards in the nhl give or take toronto and 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 tampa right so and they're in shape i mean the the first line maurice is getting ready to get it building them up to half a game you know (laughs) <laughs> yeah, they're going to be able to play 40 minutes a night, probably the way they did in the Vegas series last year. Shifley might not even have to come off the ice. He'll be in such good shape by then. <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, it, you know, it's hard to rag on one hand because we are in such a good place. But on the other hand, like we've talked about, we have been mentioning that this is more of a realistic team that we're looking at right now, uh, results-wise. And... We've seen a lot of third-period uh, comebacks, and we've seen a lot of blowouts. And, and you can't take those things out because they happen, right? You beat Anaheim 9-2, that happened, and, and you can't take that away from the team. Uh, but what you can look at is in the second and third period, Anaheim outplayed us, and we're up 6 nothing. Um, 
you, you wonder, right? Why, why are these things happening? Where, where are the stumbling? I, it's not problem. Stumbling block. Is that a better term? What are we, you know? I don't know, man. It's to me, it's, it's, uh, I just keep coming back to, it just seems so hard to win the Stanley cup, which is what we've all been thinking about for this year, ever since that hockey news episode or uh, uh, magazine came out. Right. I mean, it just seems like it's it's a it's a huge challenge, and uh, and um, yeah, I mean, so third third in the league is great, but I I don't know. We're supposed to be winning this thing, right? Isn't that the whole plan? I mean, you know, I love that we're getting, um, you know, that we've had a great power play. I love that we've had some strong goaltending, and you know, but we're third in the league, and we've been just you know riding our first line and first line forwards into first line defense for the whole time. So it it makes me just a little bit makes me a little bit concerned about uh, you know, what we have, if we have room to grow or not. What's been really interesting is that at the beginning of the season, we were beating those teams that were last in the league, and we were saying, can't beat good teams. Now, recently, we're able to beat Nashville, beat Vegas, beat Tampa, and then now we're losing against Ottawa, losing against Anaheim. This team is so inconsistent, it's hard to get a read. As yeah. to who they are, what they are, I, I still think they're a contender, but it's not as clear cut as last year, where you knew what you had and there wasn't questions going into every game. And I think we need to get answers to those questions going into March. Contender, contender for Central Division regular season champions. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> He's our Western Conference championship, matter, right? Like, let's let's. I think we should be the first in the central for sure. I want to see another. Be, well, we need a banner. Uh, we don't have one yet, and it's time for one. And if wherever, if there's ever going to be a year, this was the year to get it. Um, and we still might. I think, like we talked about, I think there's two trades that need to be made. Uh, one to make sure we don't lose in the first round, and another to make us a Stanley Cup contender. I think that's maybe a better way to look at it. A defenseman is is going to uh, keep us from not shitting the bed in the first round. And and then a Duchesne or a Stone or a Panarin or somebody like that is the guy that's the stasty of last year that gets us, you know, to the promised land. The only banner that we need is most empowered fan base. Well, we don't need a banner for that. We already know that. <laughs> we need to be empowered, Chris. We high five after the true north on the road. <laughs> hey man, I've been in another team's barn for the true north, and it's pretty satisfying to, to bring. Oh, that it's up. awesome! Yeah, just don't as long woo. As you woo after. <laughs> um, so the the Jets are now uh, currently. Uh, just I'm not trolling here. I'm just kind of updating. Um, they are fifth in the league. Uh, ahead of them, Tampa Bay, Calgary, San Jose, Toronto. So uh, we are second in the West, first in the Central, and fifth in the league with 71 points. Um, Toronto, uh, they they have the same number of wins, 34. They're 34, 17, and three. We're 34, 18, and three. So they've they've played one less uh, one less game than us, but we're tied on points with Toronto right now. So um, there's just a quick little update. And actually, the New York Islanders are one point behind, and uh, with a game in hand too. So uh, the Islanders, I suppose, could win t 
tomorrow and if the Jets were to uh, lose or tie, I suppose, then they would jump and we'd be in six in the league, just ahead of Nashville. So, so but that's, I've been wanting to bring up more games. I've been wanting to bring up the whole podcast of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, there is a team that signed the number one free agent in the offseason. There's a team that re-signed a top five, eight center in the NHL, maybe higher, to a long-term contract. There's a team that traded for the best available defenseman two weeks ago, still five weeks before the trade deadline. And there's a team that is still looking to add uh, scoring forward before uh, the trade deadline. That's how you go all in to win a Stanley Cup. And yeah, I know we have definitely... some... You go ahead. Sorry. I know we have some. Sorry, I know we have some cash issues. They do too. You 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 figure it out. And um, if if I've grown a lot on the shovel day off bandwagon and fallen even further off the Maurice, but that's not the point. If you're looking at this roster, thinking you can compete with Tampa or Toronto, even though they're not on our conference, I mean, you you've got problems. Because I think I think there, there are five players ahead of us. I, I was just saying, Chris. I think that they're aware of that. I mean, I I think the Jets have been one of the teams, one of the few teams in the league to be running with um, a roster of twenty one or twenty two or I forget the exact number, but but they've been basically squirreling away cap space the entire year to make uh, you know a, to make a Stasny like addition possible at the end. So I. I personally, I, I, I'm one of those guys, I have a fair amount of shape, faith in Chevy. I, I have less faith in, in the coach and everything. But, I, but I, I think they're planning on making an ad. I guess I'm just really, really wondering. I think Muzzin would have fit in so well for us. Uh, I'm, wondering, uh, I'm, wondering, I'm wondering about the who. Who are we going to get? And, and Mike, when you say they're squirreling away cap space, maybe just explain what you mean by that. I, I know what you're talking about with the, not carrying the full roster, but uh, how, how does a team actually do that? Sure. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing that Alistair, or maybe, I mean, probably, probably a bunch of the listeners would would know this better than me. But basically, that the NHL salary cap is actually calculated. I believe it's daily. So they, so so basically, it's every day that you're running your NHL team, who's on your NHL roster, uh, that's what ultimately gets added to create your cap space for the season. So when, you know, when you're able to to move guys down for a day here and there to the Moose. Uh, those paper moves are actually moves to save, you know, ten thousand, fifty thousand here and there on the cap. Exactly. So, right? so, prorated. so yeah, that's exactly right. Um, and what I don't know, what I would love to know, is how much they've that actually adds up to so far, because I've never seen a number attached to that, but I know that's what they're doing. I, I've seen a number. Some guys, uh, some of the guys that we follow on on Twitter, I think it's. I think they're kind of looking like the Jets will have around six million or so in uh, in kind of cap season at the deadline, something like that. Mm-hmm. So, so they would be able to bring in, if that's true, they would be able to bring in, you know, a high end guy without needing the pressure to to move someone out. Yeah, do do Shane's at six million is his cap space. So I'm not sure if that's prorated as well. But uh, if if it is, or you're just looking at the the. I guess you probably wouldn't look at the full cap. You'd look at whatever's left on the year. But, uh, yeah, I guess if they had six, then they could probably go after anybody at that point. But uh, Duchesne is at six, and Stone is uh, seven, 
0.35. So I'm just actually on cap friendly, just as we kind of moved into this part of the conversation. So I figured I'd just throw that out there. But uh, I'm curious uh, what you guys think. If we were to sign some of these guys, do you think this is a purely a rental situation? Or are we looking to to add some people? Because after, uh, uh, like a lot of people view the Staz as a rental, but then after he was here, that it sounded like they made a pretty big push to try and keep the guy around. Is is that what we're trying to do? Because Lina's contract and Connor's contract and Truba's contract. Well, I mean, Truba's will probably be the same number if he's if he's not already gone. Um, it'll be close to the same amount. So I guess that doesn't change too much. But uh, yeah, what do you guys think if we if we add someone? Um, are they here to stay? Is that the goal? I think you got to try. Uh, the cost of acquiring rentals right now is stupid high. Uh, you know, I, I'm terrified of giving up, you know, a prospect like Roslovic, our first round pick, and something else for have a guy for three months. Yeah. Uh, but if that got me three months of, you know, of Duchesne and next season, it's a yeah. much, it's a much, yeah. it's, yeah. it's much, it's much easier. But, uh, I know personally, I'd rather for me. You don't jump it on my throat on this, but I'd be super excited to trade. Like, uh, I'd I'd happily trade Veselina, and I'd happily trade the first next year's first, every first. Uh, it doesn't matter because the Jets are going to be in, uh, you know, a Chicago Blackhawks esque cap situation where we got it. We might be trading a guy like Kyle Connor. Uh, you know, instead of giving him you know, his RFA salary, we're gonna be we're gonna be tra trading guys anyways in the off season, so we can get our drafts back. We just we just gotta you know we just gotta kind of lend them to someone else uh, for our for our playoff run. I'm I'm happy to I would rather hold on to a guy like Roslovic, hold on to Connor, hold on to I mean God if the coach will play him, hold on to Niku, but but uh, hold on to the guys on the roster. Trade your futures and just get them back when you uh, when you sort things out in the summer. I mean, you go all you in, think? you win the you, you. Sorry, Ryan, you go in, you win the cup, then you can make a Connor trade and you can make a, a you know, for example, it would never happen, and a Wheeler trade with good conscience and say, hey, we won a cup, now we need to restock the cupboards a little bit, right? You can you can do that if you win a cup or make a final. You can't do that if if you bow out in the first round. So you have to make sure you're going all in. And another point that I saw a lot of people making was about the Kyle Connor thing. Why not trade Connor for Stone and then you have the money to re-sign Stone for a six-year contract? You're getting back a better player. Um, you throw in Patan and a first-rounder. And you're getting back a better player and you have him a long-term for a similar contract that you're trying to sign Connor to. I don't. I don't think you get rid of Kyle Connor. I, uh, he has for, Mark, for Mark Stone, for for a for a signed Mark Stone, you wouldn't trade Kyle Connor for a signed Mark Stone. Done. Do it. Make it happen. Sure, Would I'd you? be totally down. I I see no reason to. I mean, like like it's the devil's always in the details with these things. Like, well, okay, what does Mark Stone want to be paid per year to play hockey in Winnipeg? Maybe dying to come back yeah. to his town. I don't know. But but what what's the actual numbers? That's what it would come down to. It's for me, not it's just, a video game. Age, age doesn't matter. It's, age doesn't matter anymore. It's how much the guy want for a contract. It, does, it so Kyle Connor. I'd say Trey. I'd say I would prefer to have Kyle Connor for the playoff run. Um, but if you gotta, if you're gonna be in a situation sorting sorting stuff out, anyways, I mean, you know, 
see if Ottawa will take your next two first-round picks and just try to get those first-round picks back when you trade Connor in the summer. Do you think Chevy goes off the grid like he did last year? These same names were thrown around last year where it was a normal big names out there where that's what Chevy's going to get. And he goes way off the grid and gets someone who just blows their mind and we say, holy crap, that was a great move. Do you think maybe that happens instead of a Stone or a Duchesne or, or whoever else is in the rumor mill right now? I, I think the Jets have been known for kind of uh, going off the board uh, right with their draft and, and like you said, with the Stasny thing. So uh, I'd, I'd like to think that he's uh, definitely capable of making that happen. They've, uh, they've shown that before and it uh, sounds like they've, they've done due diligence on uh, forwards especially, uh, the, who they're going after. Although, you know, we got the Stasny, but the, the big thing at the time, if you all recall, was going after Broussard, which sounds like now would have probably not been the player that we would have wanted to keep compared to, if, you know, what Stasny turned out to be. So um, so maybe maybe I, I don't trust them. I don't know that Broussard, maybe that would have been great, maybe not, but the Stasny seemed like, like a, a, a winner for sure. But it's almost like fluking into that winner uh, a little bit so i like the idea of them going off the board and maybe finding something out there that uh, nobody's even considering from a team that doesn't even look like maybe they're selling but um uh, i guess if we'll see. you're gonna if you're gonna give up three pieces like you're gonna give up for a duchene or a stone why not give up three pieces for a guy that has a contract and and plays on a shitty team or or whatever i mean that is more shovel day off style right so that that's possible i i mean i don't know I've heard a lot of people talk about Pareko, um, you know, Jonathan Taves is a perfect fit. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. You know, there's guys that are signed that you that you could do a three. If you're going to part with the three pieces, why not part with, unless you're going to do like what Mike's saying, which is replace them in the offseason. Um, why not try to get a signed guy? Like Jake Muzzin. Like Jake Muzzin. <laughs> Kyle Connor to Toronto for Jake Muzzin confirmed. You heard it here first, folks. Yeah. Yeah. Kipper, he'll fall for it. He'll spread that. Insider. So I I would love to know. That you should trade Kyle Connor. Is he boy? You know, I can't can't see how that benefits a team. I don't know. If, well, Mark, Mark Stone's a top 10, 10 winger. winger. You put, you put, now you can put Line a up on the first line where he should be, and you can have Stone and Little and Ehlers on your second line, and all of a sudden you can run a second line that isn't Lowry, Tanev, and Kopp, because that's our second line right now. Um, th- that to me, and again, they can't talk about contract, but if you can sign him for five years afterwards, I mean, Mark Stone's a really, really good hockey player. And there's people that listen to this podcast and we follow on Twitter that will tell you that Kyle Connor isn't a very good hockey player. Well, no, I no think mainly his defensive game, right? People have a problem yeah. with Kyle Connor's defensive game right now. That's just it. He's a little one-dimensional. He's a... Uh, He's a, a glass cannon, <laughs> you know? But you, you can't say he's one-dimensional when we're the ones that are defending Line a for being one-dimensional. He's just as young. Mm-hmm. He has some upside he can learn. 
it's, it's yeah, I mean, they're, they're both so many both, young right? people yeah. who have so many so much learning potential. But I guess you know, if we put on our our pro scout hats for a second and try to project the development of those two, you know, if you're looking for a, a two way player who's going to be like, which one of them is going to grow into a two way player, Connor or Line H, versus which one of them is going to stay. Uh, a goal scorer who can't defend. Which one do you think is more likely? Lani will I, never be I, a good defender. That's, that's uh, or multi. How about multi-talented or multifaceted? Never mind defensive. I mean, Lani is a good passer, but he's essentially a one-trick pony. Whereas Kyle Connor eventually could also become a distributor and. Uh, play a little better defensively. I'm just going to get my pro scout hat on. <laughs> well, You're I think to sound the, a lot like Paul Maurice. Oh, actually. it's a real hat. Okay. The, the difference, I think, there too, guys, is, uh, is the fact that Kyle, Cor- Kyle Connor is probably capable of uh, zone entries the way Ehlers is, and, uh, and Line A, I don't think, could, could be that guy to, to actually carry the puck in the same way, uh, just with the speed and everything and the, the, the quick moves. Um, and I'm not even, I'm not criticizing him. It's just, I'm kind of recognizing the differences. And I think, uh, that's a pretty valuable asset when you don't have to play a dump and chase kind of a game, but you can actually get someone who can carry it into the zone and get it deep on someone's stick instead of, yeah, just shoveling it down there and, and trying to race for it all the time. Ehlers is, is great at that. And, uh, I think Kyle Connor can, can mimic that in a way like has more potential to do that. So, uh, so that's, that's great. one difference too. The crazy thing about this question, like I, you know, I don't have my pro scout hat. I don't think I, I have no idea. But the crazy thing about this kind of Connor or Line A question is that it's actually not, uh, it's actually kind of, it's kind of coming up. It's not actually, it's not that far off because both these guys are coming off their ELCs at the same time. And RFAs, to me, they're not getting as much of a disc or they're not getting a team discount uh, as much as they used to. And so the Jets actually got it. They're, they're going to be under a lot of pressure to sign these guys long term, and they're going to be making calls on which one of these guys is going to figure out, you know, the zone entry or defensive side of the game, right? It's a scary like, thought, you know. I, I'm much happier with a team with both of them, I think, than having to choose between them. But if they both do a similar thing, Line A does it better right now. Uh, mm-hmm. oh, There's yeah, something I else to get you choosing between them. I mean, I, yeah, 100%. Right. I want both. I want both. Forever. There's something else to consider, um, which is getting a lot of traction simply because the Leafs are good, and that's important, is with this CBA coming up, um, we could look at a soft cap or a luxury tax. And that is something that could end up coming in. I don't know how likely it is, but it's getting a lot of traction with Toronto media because they don't want to <laughs> see their team have to get disassembled right um what's what's stopping that what's stopping in a year and a half or whenever this work stoppage is going to be them saying yeah you guys need want to go over the cap you'll pay and for two years we do it uh i'm just throwing that out there that's complete spitballing but i mean somebody's gonna have to go if that's if there's this the cap issues don't change healers connor or line a are not going to be here if we want to have anything above an AHL level defense. 
<laughs> I don't even agree. <laughs> I think there's room. There's just there's too much cap. There's too much inefficiency in the contracts we have right now. Like Euler's contract though is pretty efficient. Yeah, Euler's very bad. friendly. Uh, yeah. I mean, well, Steelers and Chiefs contracts are great, but once you start, I mean, they add up quick, right? Yeah. Some of the efficiency comes off the books in the next year or two, a year or two as well, with uh, Kulikov, obviously, and and Myers, right? So there's there's a little bit there. Yeah. Um, well, eventually, we're going to stop paying Bufflin, too. You know, I love the guy, but you know, age is going to catch up to him at some point. Blake Wheeler goes to what eight point two five next year. So, um, sorry, I'm just going to point something out here. Uh, I don't know if you guys are, you know, thumbing around on your phones at the same times, but uh, the the Twitter of uh, the Vegas Golden Knights, which I typically hate, and the Columbus Blue Jackets right now are playing, are tweeting back and forth a game of Connect Four with each other, and it's uh, it's awesome. So I don't know if you guys <laughs> noticed that. that but... Two months ago, are you? Sure? Yeah. Uh, are you on a delay? Yeah, they said see you next time. They said see you yeah. next time. Yeah, <laughs> oh, I missed it. I missed it the first time. I don't pay. Oh, I I had uh, Vegas uh, muted. So, but uh, I'm watching it uh, unfold right now. Well, it's a it's a close battle. Yeah. You were that know, bitter? I'm, you muted Vegas? Uh, I just I just couldn't take it because people just just throw it in your timeline all the time. It's just no, I wasn't bitter at all. I don't I honestly don't care about stuff like that. But I didn't even <laughs> know you had a Twitter account. I do not have a personal Twitter account. Oh, you guys just want to talk contracts in the middle of this epic uh, Stanley Cup run. You guys, I know, we just should just stick on, enjoy the journey, right? Yeah, well, and let's just, you know, skip way ahead to the draft. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah, did you have me on to discuss uh, the upcoming draft? I got got my draft board ready to go. Let's do it. That's That's, by the way. No, never. I want to talk about in fact, let's do our fantasy draft for the whole NHL next year for the fall. Let's do that right now. I think we need to name the Seattle team as well in the meantime. Who do you think is going to be the Ron Hainsey of the next CBA? <laughs> is Shane Dunk going to save the negotiations again? There, there's so many fun little topics we can we can do. Um, just at, uh, curious, at the beginning, did you guys uh, kind of talk about, uh, I'd suggested that we find a couple fun or interesting uh, tweets from uh, from the night that might be kind of fun to talk about, just a little conversation starters. I know we're, Ryan, how long are we at right now? Been going for quite a while or what? Um, I think we're in three, three hours. Uh, just under an hour, about 55 oh, just minutes. Under, all right. That was, that was just you talking, though. So overall, we're about three hours. And, so I have 55 minutes alone. That's just my ta- time. Okay, yeah. Geez. yeah, I get it. I get it. Um, but uh, there was, there were some uh, tweets that I thought were kind of uh, maybe fun little conversation starters. I mean, obviously the Vegas uh, Columbus Blue Jackets one was a uh, was a huge fail on my part because you guys already knew what was going on there. But um, one of the ones that I shared was well, we talked about the Kiprio sing saying. Uh, uh, about the idea, well, not really, but uh, the idea of trading Niku. Is this like a new thing? Is this something that we're, you know, is actually being put out there by anyone else? Or is, do you think he's got some inside information? I did not think that Niku was a prospective uh, mover, especially seeing that our left side is, is more problematic. So I'm curious what you guys think of Kiprios's comment of, of Niku potentially leaving. Kiprios hit his head 20 years ago. <laughs> okay. All right. That being said, if you're going to get a deal done for a superstar like Panarin, I don't think there's any way you 
get out of it without trading him, perhaps. And I think a team like a Columbus or a team like Ottawa that sees a Carlson and now what's his name? Shabbat. Is that his name? Their new guy. They see defensemen like Niku and they're salivating like this guy's sitting, riding the pine. He's in the press box. We can get this guy for in the package. I don't think it's crazy because we all know the Jets have problem evaluating NHL talent at D. Um, it's been a problem for the whole seven years they've been here. Um, uh, that doesn't shock me, other than the fact that it comes from Kiprios. That's a little. Yeah. That's the problem with that. All right. So, I'm knocking on wood with this, but I think uh, the fact that he's not getting any ice time will save us from having to move him. Because I think if he played 30 games this year, teams would be begging for him. Like he, he'd be. The way Roslovic is supposed to be at the top of everybody's ass right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, you know, fingers crossed. Nobody who wants him. what to think with, with, all these, with all these things. Like, who knows what to think. Yeah. Kipper might have got up. Kipper might have, you might, you might think he knows, like, the equipment trainer or something for, you know, the Jets or whatever. And, like, where are they getting their information from? Who knows? Yeah. Probably just made it up. Yeah. I don't think those guys bullshit. Um, I mean, we know a couple of them do, Eklund and some of those online things. Those guys don't bullshit, but um, hearing the name Niku and him being uh, a trade point are two completely different things, right? I mean, maybe Ottawa is saying, we're not giving you either of these guys unless you give us Niku. And then Nick yeah. Kiprios comes on Hockey Night Canada and says, oh, I've heard Niku's name thrown around. Well, that's not his name thrown around. That's Ottawa saying he's part of the deal or, or there's no deal. That's, those are two different things. That I, think, be, I think you're on the right page there. Yeah. You know. Sorry. What do you guys think of uh, the Jets going after Carl Alsner? They, uh, apparently we <laughs> were trying to target him last year, and he's, uh, he's on waivers right now. So what do you think the Jets nope. pick up? Uh... It's too much. Nope. His contract's too big, or they would. I, yeah, I'm, I'm obviously joking. Nope. <laughs> nope. Okay. If, nope. If, if, nope. if he had normal money, they totally would, but he's makes $6 million a year. Some bullshit, doesn't he? I don't, I don't even know what he's at, but. Well, I threw that out there today in conversation saying, would Jets go after Carl Osner? Would he be better than uh, Sherrod or Morrow? And then someone threw out his price and no way. I looked at his his numbers, Corsi wise versus those two guys, and on par, maybe a bit better. But no, he's making he's making some serious cash. No chance. Yeah, no. I would literally rather have the three than Sherrods, you know, <laughs> for the same price. <laughs> and that's that's that, gonna chill. I know. That, in my lineup. There was bile at the back of my throat when I said that, but. I would take three bench rods and wave all three of them right after <laughs> immediately. Yeah, send them all down. Um, okay, here's here's a fun comment. What do you guys think of this? Uh, Matt Abra twelve says having an argument with uh, Todd Rose twenty four saying which is based off I think of an original conversation that Scott Campbell started. He says you think Paul Maurice doesn't use analytics. He's known around the league as one of the most analytical coaches, almost to a fault. What do you guys think of that? Is Paul Maurice strike you as the analytics guy?
guy of the NHL? I I'll, can I? Uh, I think it was Bad Wolf that responded. Just because you you use analytics doesn't mean you're good at them. Yeah, that's you. You are correct. <laughs> she did respond like that. And so that's all you need to say. I think that we heard. I mean, you were somebody mentioned. I heard. I think we heard somebody mention. Um, their analytics involve zone time. Right. So if that's what you're looking at, then that's why you don't want line A and and you. Well, you can't argue it because they're using analytics, but that's not. It's it's still not working. That's not the end goal. Yeah, this and that's the thing. It's it's ever growing, and this is something like again. I'm not a numbers guy, but I can appreciate like what the the thing that you should focus on, and so you start to realize. Okay, possession was a big thing, right? Uh, is is important. You you don't. The team can't score when you have the puck, and you can't score unless you have the puck. So possession is huge, right? Obviously, having another team is better than having your own end. And then getting shots off is be more valuable than even the possession, right? But then high danger shots. And I think uh, it sounds like when you hear Maurice talk, he focuses a lot on their zone, uh, offensive zone time, but not nearly as much about creating high danger scoring chances. So there's a, a little bit of a disconnect from what the truly valuable stat is there. But it's sort of a getting getting partway there. Feels like I don't know. I don't think we ever get the full story out of Paul Maurice. <laughs> no. He's too good a talker. He doesn't have to tell you the truth, or not even the truth, just like the full story. Uh, I was just I agree so hard. He's he's um he's a guy that seems pretty aware of. Okay, like he's kind of he's. He's like the the spokesperson for for like the company that is the Jets. Like he he knows that it, he knows that he needs to like pay lip service to things like analytics. He knows what sounds good uh, to the fan base. To me, I just to me I interpret every press conference as him talking directly to Mark Chipman and staying in Daddy's good books. That's how I interpret it. I don't know what to make of it beyond that. Yeah, I could like, have gone without you saying "daddy" this podcast. But... Uh, sorry, guys. I mean, it's just like I'm just trying to say. I think that's the that's the relationship there. I mean, you know, he's he keeps Mark Shipman happy, and he's got a job for life, man. I don't know. Well, there's a lot of people that say. Yeah, I think it's I mean, the old gentleman's club, right? And they say he's the one, and it's not Chevy that that's rowing the boat. Like that, it goes Shipman then. Maurice then shovel day off. So I mean, those are rumors, and we can't back those up and, and and whatever. But we we hear a lot of that. So so you wonder. Um, just kind of back to uh, the point I was making about the zone stuff. Uh, Robert Cleve said cycling is nice, but the Jets have had no clean looks from the slot in all this time. Ottawa could play the entire last seven minutes this way right. and not be troubled. So. Uh, just kind of Robert was noticing that and had a chance to meet him not too long ago, and he was a, a very intelligent gentleman. So uh, really enjoyed trying to learn learn from him, but uh, he was noticing that even in this game with the, the zone time, right? You can point to that as some amount of success, but if you're not getting uh, shots from dangerous areas, uh, that's all you've had is zone time then, right? Mm-hmm. I think it's like th- there's a saying that goes something like you um, you are what you measure or you value what you measure. So, I mean, if the Jets are deciding that they're going to, that they can measure and they want to track zone time, it doesn't, it makes a ton of sense that they'd try to, you know, that, that that's what they end up getting. 
if you if you count shots on goal or if you count expected goals or whatever it is if you're measuring if you're keeping track of other things you'd, you'd you'd behave a little different and if you're if you're relying on zone time as your number one thing there's no reason it's fully expected why Lowry's line gets every second shift because yeah. they're really good at zone time and they don't score but they spend a lot of time in the other end and so that makes perfect sense if that would lie, I guess what I'm trying to say is that would line up with the zone time being the priority that they get yeah. every second shift. Yeah, you get what you valued exactly, for sure. Um, maybe okay, got another. Sorry? Maybe they're getting exactly what they're striving for. Like last yeah. year with the, uh, the PK. It took them the whole year to admit it, but they finally admitted we're trying to let them shoot the puck. We want them to shoot from these certain spots. That's why we're giving up a ton of shots on the PK. They yeah. finally admitted it. Maybe is a bold strategy, and it happened to work last year. So yeah, just take the lines off the ice. They're all dumb. Doesn't matter. It's one sheet of ice. Five guys. There's less and I'm honestly, guys. There's less and less difference between a center iceman and a and a winger and a defenseman. You got your goal, and you got your five guys. More and more, that's how it is. Hey, well, yeah, and Ronnie was uh, left-handed defense on the fifth goal against tonight. <laughs> Yes. You see that? <laughs> yes. Yikes. Uh, yes. Everyone should check out Mike Mike's uh, breakdown, his photographic uh, Sapruder film breakdown of line A playing defense on Twitter later. You know it what? Was, it was actually Warren uh, sent me a text and he was like, "Hey, can I just have your account for a while?" So that's just JT Bourne. You know, it's through me, but I'm just a vessel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Nice of you to offer it up like that so so easily to to a struggling uh, account like his. Um, so Robert also said, I think, what do you guys think of this? I think Mark Stone's a great player, but Winnipeg has, when healthy, three regular defensemen that can't reliably make a 10-foot pass. No matter how good the forward group is, they'll never hit their potential as a team without that being addressed. So all this talk about Stone and Duchesne and Panarin, I wish was a, a higher up for some people's list, but... Um, yeah, I think, uh, what do you guys think of the, the left side DN? And now we talk about, you know, trading Niku away from one of these forwards, and that takes away another guy that could slot in if, if there was injuries. Uh, should we really be focused on forwards, or is it time to get some D? And maybe, you know, mixing up the forwards might be a better idea than uh, adding some more to it. I already said that at the beginning of the show that that would maybe be a better thing. And I also some awesome tweeter tweeted this afternoon something similar about the fact that is the mainstream media forgetting that the Jets need a defenseman. Oh, wait, that was me. But uh, (laughs) I mean, that's one of those things where we why did we all of a sudden forget after Muzzin got traded that we still need to upgrade that left left side D. And we, we did talk about that before you were on AJ. So. All right, well, I'm just trying to catch up here. <laughs> you know, I I think if anyone can convince Toby Enstrom to come back to Winnipeg, I think it might be uh, AJ. <laughs> well, I've I've uh, put the invite out for him to come on the show, but uh, and uh, the number of invites I've sent out to people is uh, probably is as long as the number of guests we've had. So um, I, I did not get a response from him, so I have not had the chance to ask him. But uh, Toby, if you're out there and you're listening, which you're not, um, you're welcome to come on, and uh, and I'll do my best. The other thing he is Toby did pass. struggle last year too in the in the playoffs. So um I would say a lot of people would not be happy about having him come back. And uh I would say the way that he played the playoffs, I don't know if you know. Uh he's he's in the twilight of his 
career. So I don't know if he'd be the, the best option yeah. anymore. Anyhow, but he is obviously better than some of the guys that we do have. But. Phone lines are open 24-7. <laughs> All right. What's the uh, 204? I just give one of your guys' numbers right now. <laughs> yeah. Call this There's number. two people Call we should number. never talk about on this podcast. It's uh, Nick Batan and Toby Enstrom because yeah. holy Christ, are those two polarizing players? Yeah, but, yeah. we should we should I, probably I wrap this for, thing up uh, right away after we get the friends. Sorry. Oh, I was just I was just gonna just uh, offer just yeah a left shot defenseman Muzzin would have been so great. Uh, sign me up for that price tag. Um, I think a low key thing. At, by the way, as far as talking about you know making a deadline ad. Uh, maybe the other guy that we're not supposed to talk about is uh, it, it just kind of sucks that the Jets kind of missed on that big, tall, left-shot defenseman we drafted a couple years ago because exact, that's exactly the kind of prospect that you'd be looking to trade. Um, I don't think I said his name. Yeah. That I, I'm probably not supposed to. But Hey, I'll tell you what, though, Mike. There's got to be an idiot old man GM that's looking at that guy and being like, ah, we could really use a six-foot 13 defensemen that can't skate or shoot. Wait, is Peter Shirelli still employed? <laughs> exactly. He's not the only one, dude. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I don't know. I mean, I think uh, I think circling back is going to end up being someone that we don't know, but uh, I mean, unless they uh, unless unless the Jets do something crazy like drop uh, 10 games in a row, I mean, I mean, who knows? I, I, I don't think the Jets think that they're done, but who even really knows? Who even really knows? I got another playoff run in me. I mean, my my liver's rested. I'm ready to rock. So, <laughs> <laughs> so as far as the trade the trade center rested. goes on that, I'm 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 a go. I got enough money in the bank to go to a street party, so that's <laughs> perfect. I'll see you there. <laughs> Yeah, I've already started creating fake email accounts to uh, load up on all the tickets, Chris. That's right. <laughs> yeah, you, you think you saved enough, but wait till I jack up the price on you. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, let's wrap this thing up. We've been going for well over an hour now. It's been fun. Anyone have any last words that you want to bestow upon us? Uh, I have too many words. Yeah, we know. I, I want <laughs> to say... I've noticed since I've gone to the popular tweets in my Twitter feed than the timeline tweets that I've seen a lot of new Jets fans uh, that I hadn't interacted with before or hadn't been interacting or I hadn't noticed. And I think that's really cool. So if any of those people are listening, keep up the good work. Some of you guys suck and some of you guys are really good. Um, but there's a lot more interaction and some new fans in in kind of our Twitter sphere area that, that, that we kind of all inhabit. So... That's that's pretty cool to me. The last like month I've seen maybe ten or fifteen new new people. Cool, I like it. Um, I was gonna just uh, I'll add this little thing from an article from Pro Hockey Rumors where I don't know if you guys saw this. Jason Bell of the Winnipeg Free Press had mentioned that the Jets are shopping the player that will not be mentioned in the pursuit to help up front, but. Uh, He's, he figures to say that the, or I'll just read it as is. Uh, Bell goes so far as to say that the team will not play Patan uh, in fear of injury or simply because he is not trusted, which we already kind of know, until 
after the deadline or longer. So um, it looks like probably his career here, I'm going to guess, unless there's some major injuries, is done, 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 because if they don't trust him, he's not going to get any playing time. And the whole idea of shopping him around seems like it's a, a non-starter too. Uh, I guess that's just a sense that Jason Bell is getting. So um, don't expect to see him in a Jets jersey, uh, certainly before the trade deadline. Um, I don't know who you're Who is about. feeding Jason Bell that bullshit? <laughs> Sorry, that well, doesn't make any sense to me, man. Like he's he's talking he's talking to who is he talking to? Uh, you know what? Trade, what well, is coveting a fifth round draft pick that bad? They think it's going to go down if they play him. I'm sorry. I love to. Hear, I love to hear that, AJ. I just like. That's just like to me. Oh, and my mom probably just heard me say bullshit. Anyways, that'll twice. that'll count <laughs> twice now. So. Um. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sorry, someone else talk. <laughs> so Chris and Allie are falling asleep right before our eyes. So <laughs> let's wrap this thing up. Uh, thank you guys for joining us for episode 41, the roundtable. Uh, I invite all you guys to subscribe to us on any of your platforms that you choose to use. And if you're on iTunes, give us a rating. I don't care if it's one star, five stars, seven stars, ten stars. Yeah. You just do you. Mike, you're the new guy. How about the hashtag? No, the hashtag of the the night. So if you're still listening at this point... um, First of all, go to bed, and uh, Mike's going to give you a hashtag, tweet at JetCentric, this hashtag, and uh, you'll be eligible for no prize, but at least we know you're listening. So, Mike, what's the hashtag? Okay, if you're listening, uh, tweet out at JetCentric, uh, at hashtag Hockey Day, because Scotiabank's giving uh, money for grassroots, grassroots hockey with that hashtag. I did not know that. Oh. A dollar is well five cents that another company does for their cause. It's a full freaking dollar. Uh, I actually thought it was great what they did today. So perfect. Yeah. Awesome. All right, guys. Thank you. Um, we'll see you on the next episode. Good night. Thanks, Thanks guys. Subscribe. That's pretty good. Hey. Yeah. Hey. We do good. <laughs> it looks like you fell asleep a half an hour ago, but. Mm-hmm.